Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But because I lost money and got incarcerated and had all these hardships, I had to learn to do all this shit myself. I didn't have anybody that I could pay to do it for me. I didn't know people that could do stuff. So I literally had to learn every piece. And while again, that seemed like a curse at the time, yeah. nobody business like I do. What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, I am very excited to announce not only someone that I've been following for a long time, but now a partner of mine, aka Hardcore Closer. Thanks so much for coming on, Ryan. What's up, man? Glad to be here, Casey, and uh, and glad for all the big things that we got going on right now. We had an exciting talk before we got uh, live on the podcast here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, so number one, I know um, the other day we had an event together in uh, Scottsdale. You came out from Dallas. You just, you crushed the stage. We had a small little mastermind, but um, I want to touch on something real quick because not only our relationship moving forward, but I I heard your story, and I, I remember I asked a question in front of the room, and I said, Hey, like, what were you doing at 19 years old? And like, that story really impacted me. And for and for the people listening, before we get into the story, before we get into the business, I want you to bring them current to what you're currently work on, working on, and overall what you do on a day to day basis when it comes to running your business. Well, so for for right now, like, uh, my life's pretty darn good. You know, I'm married. I have three kids. I drove to work in a Rolls Royce. I had a choice this morning between a Lamborghini, a Rolls Royce, and a McLaren or a pickup yeah. truck. You know what it is, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I work in the same building where YouTube and Google and Hilton and like other huge brands are in a huge complex over here. And uh, I have multiple companies that do eight figures in that have done eight figures of business in the last. <laughs> I have multiple big ass companies. Yeah, yeah. Work, right. I really don't like talking about my financials online too much. But just know that I got I got a lot of things going. And I, I wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates, man. I wouldn't trade places with Jeff Bezos. Like, first of all, neither one of them's wife is as hot as mine. Uh, <laughs> second of all, I trade bank accounts with them, though. You know what I'm saying? But, but I love my life. I really do. You know, and people say they, they got to look for success and, and figure out what success is. And I'm still on the chase for what's next, but I sure am grateful for what's now. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? absolutely, man. No, I, I love it. But, and, and I think for the people listening today, you know, it's. The one reason why I love doing podcasts is because I've learned, right? That's that's not how everyone started, right? And I know your journey people will tell after listening today, but for the people listening, like my main audience is 18 to 25, and, and I want to sort of start this podcast off with the question that I asked you the other day, and that was when you were 18, 19 years old, like what was your reality back then and how did you really get put along this journey as an entrepreneur? 
Well, I want you to know this before I tell this story. Is in uh, in you, Casey, and, and everybody watching. It's like, no matter where you are in life right now, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you have some advantages if you don't have debt. You have some advantages if you haven't gone to school. You have some advantages if you haven't been molded and shaped in society's way of doing things. But you have some disadvantages. People around you that don't know any better are going to judge you and everything else. When I was 18 years old, you know, I was on drugs to the point to where I had, by the time I was 19, I overdosed on cocaine and uh, was arrested and put under arrest. They like brought me back to life like I was dead. They brought me back to life. And uh, cause you asked me the other day, so where were you at 19? I said I was in prison. And like, I was literally, I was dead. They brought me back to life so that they could arrest me. And I had like maybe $200 worth of drugs. It wasn't very much money, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you'd have thought I was Scarface. You know, these guys uh, arrested me and, and searched my apartment. I got kicked out of my apartment. And, and, uh, and it was a, I, was, I was only 19, dude. So it was like my first apartment. And, and, it, and dude, it was a complete nightmare. Uh, I woke up the next morning, like chained to the, the hospital bed. And by the time I was 21, I would see eight different prisons because of that incident. Wow. Right? And so, but, but here's the, before I go on with that story, okay, here's... Here's the big takeaway. I'm glad you started it the way you did first, right? Drove a nice car, great family, wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates. I wouldn't trade this story I'm about to tell you with Bill Gates' story either because I guarantee you, if the two of us gather around a campfire, they ain't going to want to hear his shit. They're going to love Uncle Stuben's fucking talk, right? Like, <laughs> I got some stories, man. Yeah. I see shit in my lifetime. So I go to uh, eight different prisons. And you know how like in the movies when you see people and they walk like down the – three-tier prison and Shawshank Redemption stuff. It's like, dude, I'm going to murder you in the shower or whatever they're saying. In the, yeah. Do that eight times. Eight times. Like, I had to be the new guy in a maximum security prison eight different freaking times, man. You talk about learning a lesson. Yeah. I promise you, for a mere mortal, right? For a mere mortal, one time is all you need. Yeah, yeah. You go through eight, you become hard. That's why they call me the hardcore closer, man. It's not because... I'm necessarily that good of a salesperson I am, but I'm but it's more of the hardcore lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. To live, you know, and uh, you kind of hear the pain in my voice sometimes when I get to talking about it. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons I'm so funny. They say Navy SEALs are, are usually hilarious because that's how uh, crazy people deal with stress and, and, and like putting things down and making jokes about it seems to be our way of letting it out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I get out of prison at like 21 and a half, okay? So get arrested at 19. I spend like a year and a half out on bond and then they, they, they give me, this story got me to sign for two years in prison. I had this public defender, this asshole. He didn't care for me. <laughs> I didn't really care about myself either. You could probably tell, you know what I mean? In all reality, he's a lawyer. He probably was like, this kid doesn't care. I don't care, whatever. He goes, look man, they're gonna give you two years in prison, first time offender. They're gonna give you two years in prison. It's your first time. You sign for the two years. What will happen is you do three or four months in the county jail. It's pretty clean there. Uh, it's a small county. It's like pretty clean there. Three or four months won't be so bad. You'll make first parole. You'll go home. You'll never see the inside of a penitentiary. Just sign right here. I'm like, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Thank, dude, I signed my life away without even asking or questioning. or well, I thought he had my best interest. Dude, about three weeks later, they got me butt naked in shackles. 
like like literally nuts to butts with other because you got to get naked before you go from like county jail to prison. Yeah. I don't know why that's the rules there, but that's the rules there. You got to get naked, right? Yeah. You really like just like you couldn't imagine the embarrassment. Some stuff that they show you like Guantanamo Bay stuff back when that happened, right? We got to go, but it's just normal. You just got to go through it. And we're on this bus, man. And, uh, dude, the guy handcuffed to me was detoxed on heroin. He kept using the restroom on himself stuff, dude, man. It's like every nightmare. We got to that first prison, the first dude off the bus and have no legs. He's gotten a DWI accident and he killed a family of six. And the guards made him crawl on his elbows. They threw his fucking wheelchair to the side and made him crawl on his elbows and sprayed him with water because they couldn't get him to stand up in the shower. Dude, it was nuts. Wow. Nuts right out of the damn. We just got here. Is that guy an actor? Please tell me this is part of a fucking act. Yeah. Like, dude, it was nuts, man. Like, nuts, dude. And I'm sure whatever that dude did, he had that coming. I don't, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. whatever. None of my business, but, whoo, man. <laughs> 20 years old and thinking that you're going to stay in this like cushy county jail that's basically brand new the one that they had there to like being in a place with no air conditioning in texas 107 degrees right like rolling up in there and they're beating up handicapped people what are they going to do to me like dude it was nuts that's insane and i uh, repeat that process eight times y'all that's all that's like that's it's crazy but i get out and i tell myself two things never knew i loved ice cream so much <laughs> that's like the only pleasure you get in there. You know I mean? like once a week, if you got a little money, you might get some ice cream. Yeah, yeah. And second, I will never break the law again. Never. I learned my lesson, right? Like, dude, I was everything but raped in there, you know? And and the only reason I didn't get raped is because I didn't get involved, right? I didn't gamble. I mind my own business. I wasn't in a gang. I didn't join a gang. I didn't go in there with other co-conspirators. I didn't know anybody from the neighborhood. I was laser focused, yeah. right? And uh, did, did I think, 18 months out of the 24. Got in lots of fights. You go to eight different damn places and move you around. You know, and then you get in fights, and then they move you from the place you fought to the next one. Like, dude, I would quit fighting if you would just leave me somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to fight. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was like 140 pounds. I was in no shape. I'm like 140 pound white. You're in no shape to be like fighting people that have been like doing push-ups for the last 10 years in prison. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No shape by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> so I get out. Promise I'll never get in trouble again, right? A lot of people say that. Very few people do it. But I have one choice in my life. That's all I know. I can go wash cars and sell car washes. And it ain't much, but it'll keep my ass out of prison. And it'll keep my parole officer happy. So that's what I did. I went and got a job at the car wash my uh, stepfather had. And uh, long story short, man, I just worked my ass off there. 22 years old, 22 and a half. Maybe I was 23. This regular customer asked me one day, she said, I've come here for forever. You work hard. And you always pitch me. And you always try to sell me a hand wax. She goes, you realize you waxed my car like 12 times. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to hit you up every time too. But I appreciate it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Come work for me. And I said, well, what do you do? You know, I've never been offered a job before. Ever in my life. It's like, well, what do you do? She goes, uh, well, I'm a banker. We work in finance. I said, dude, that sounds awesome. She goes, you love it. And I said, I don't know anything about finance. I said, uh, that truck back there, the green one, it's mine. I paid cash for it. Saved up for forever. Uh, drug money. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't tell her that. Uh, but and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I just I don't know anything about credit. I don't I don't have a credit card or anything. She's like, 
I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I was like, listen, the truth is I'm a convicted felon. You know, I'm on parole now. She goes, you'll be fine. Right? <laughs> and so I took her up on the offer. I quit my job right there on the spot and went to work for her the next Really? Day. It was like that? <laughs> it was like that, dude. She said this. She was a real closer. She passed away a couple years ago, but Monica Hubbard was her name. God bless her. First person to ever take a chance on me in my life, man. Wow. Never forget it. She said this. Worst case scenario, car wash always take you back. They took you back straight out of prison. They'll take you back straight out of the bank, baby. Come on and work for us. <laughs> Have you ever watched Entourage? Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple. She's just like Babs in Entourage, like uh, Ari Gold's partner. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Monica. Like wherever, <laughs> whoever made that character knew Monica. Okay, okay. <laughs> Looks just like her too, but she was exactly like that, right? Not scared to say whatever was on her mind. She was a closer. And so, uh, so she takes a chance on me the first day that I come in there. I know nothing. Uh, I show up and I look like a guy that works at a car wash, and I'm in a bank where people are wearing like you know, Kiko uh, Boss suits and yeah. stuff like that, right? And uh, she teaches me a few things throughout the week. Has this guy train me? And uh, he's letting me just look over his shoulders. And basically, he's a nice guy, but he's like, "Don't get in the way. Just watch what I'm doing. I'll narrate it out loud, right?" It's like, okay. Cool. Yep. And then in the nighttime, I studied and took my test. Well, that weekend, my buddy still worked for that car wash. So I was at his parents' house, right? Because when you're car wash, you live with your parents because yeah, yeah. you ain't making no money there, right? You're some loser shit, right? <laughs> and so I'm over there at the car wash at dude's parents' house. And they lived there for forever. And I was, I was just happened to ask him. I was like, uh, they said, do you want a beer? I said, no, thanks. I'm not drinking. I'm focused on this new job I got. And they said, oh, tell us about your new job. And I said, oh, I got a job doing something called mortgages. I don't know shit about it. But wait, you guys lived here for a long time, right? Like if I could get my lady to talk to you and everything was cool, maybe she can do something for you. It's almost Christmas. I don't know. I saw her give some dude like a check for 30 grand last week. Maybe you guys can get something like that. And they're like, yeah, well, whatever. We'll talk to her. They're just being nice, right? Well, I told yeah. you Monica's closer, right? Monica got on the phone with a Monday and like, dude, they tried to crawfish every way they could, dude. And I watched Monica box them in and get them and then send me over there to get paper signed immediately, dude. It was oh, my Lord. But I don't know what any of that meant. You know what I mean? I just watched Monica say a bunch of things. She might as well have been speaking Russian for yeah. all I knew, you know. Uh, but but I, I, I learned and I listened to them ask questions. Like when I got there, I turned my old flip phone upside down. It's like 2003. And put it on speakerphone and let them ask her questions while I just sat there and made sure they signed all the papers she flagged, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. that kind of situation. And uh, three weeks later, she gave me a check for 8600 bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Right out the gate. Yeah, dude. I might as, yeah, dude, I might as well have been, uh, you know, Steve Jobs at that point. I'm yeah, yeah. Steve, <laughs> and uh, right out of the gate, dude, two or three days after that, uh, guy calls me that mows the yard at the car wash. He goes, dude, I was just at the car wash, man. You ain't there. Dude, it ain't never going to be the same without you. They said you're doing banking stuff, man. I need a mortgage. He goes, you think you can do it for me? I never got one before. And I was like, sure, why not? They bought like a $700,000 home. So again, I made like $21,000 or $14,000 or so ridiculous amount of money in a couple weeks because Monica locked him down. I show back over there with the speakerphone. He's asking questions. And I'm like, dude, I'm just the courier. They had no idea I was making all that money because who would assume that I was going to make any damn yeah, money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the phone. So within about 45 days, I make twenty one, twenty eight thousand dollars $28,000, like a, a significant yeah. amount of money. Yeah. And it, 
you know, boom, I'm, I'm in at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like the drug game for me. Dude, yeah. I 100%, dude, I, I go, I, like, I don't even drink alcohol no more, man. I'm so dialed in and focused. But, dude, it starts to catch up with me, man. By 2005, I'm, you know, I made $770,000 that year. Wow. But I, and the year before you were, you said it was, you were in prison, and the next year you get out. So, wow. 2002, I'm in prison. 2003, I'm at the car wash. 2004. Got it. I make $96,000 my first year in the mortgage business. I only, I started though in like September, October. So I remember I made that money pretty quick. So yeah, I yeah. Have, and so uh, then in 2005, it was 770 something thousand wow. dollars that I made. And I bought all these houses. So I have people come, cause man, listen, youngsters, don't be buying Gucci and Louis Vuitton and, and all that stuff. Man, I'm 40 years old. I just bought a Rolex, man. I'm telling you, like, and this Rolex, this has been paid for by Rolex after Rolex after Rolex. You know what I mean? Like it's paid for from flipping stuff. These cars that I have, yeah. I'm flipping stuff from other investments. I'm not buying them with my W-2 income and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I'm not walking in and paying cash for them. I flip my way into these cars from Infinities and Chevys and Fords up to Maseratis and then finally McLaren's all the way to where I'm at now. Dude, I flipped my way into these cars, right? Yeah. And so I'm a big, I'm a deal maker. I come from a poor family. I'm a deal maker. I'm wearing a $10 shirt at the most. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm still that way. And I got a lot of money now, right? Like a, a, a lot. And so, uh, and I, I'm saying that to the audience, not so much as you, because I, I want you guys to know that like looking flashy now is fine. But let me tell you something for us dudes, ladies, cover your ears. Guys, the one thing that we got going for us is if you take care of yourself. And I'm not saying you have to be David Goggins, right? But if you take care of yourself, we look better the older we get, even when we go bald. And if you have <laughs> enough money, you just get hair transplants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. But if you just take care of yourself, exercise a few times a week, right? Don't eat like a pig so you don't be turned into one of those big old fat guys. Like, And chicks will like you, right? We look better. Like, chicks love George Clooney. That guy's like 400 years old. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. For sure. We look better as we're older, right? And I could go on to subliminally why. The reason why I say that is you ain't got no, all the shit you're trying to do for the people you're trying to impress in your 20s. They don't got any experience to know what's impressive anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you it feels a lot better after 35. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I promise you. Yeah, right? yeah. But if you'll get focused, I'm also a person that's sitting here telling you these results after 35 and 40, yeah. right? And so I get out, start making all this money. Dude, cops thought I was selling drugs again. They raided my house. The cops raid my house, man. And uh, they don't find any drugs, but I have guns. And in Texas, you can have guns once you are off of parole. This is a long time after I'm off of parole. So in Texas, you can have guns after you're off of parole. And uh, and so I beat the case. They charged me with felon possession of firearms. I beat the case. The damn ATF picked it up, and apparently they don't believe in the same rules. So like uh, if you live in Colorado, you get caught with pot. Uh, yeah, you, don't, you don't get caught with pot if you're in Colorado. It's like whatever. It's like getting yeah. caught with alcohol. You just have pot. Right, but yeah. if the DA catches you with pot in Colorado, you're still going to federal prison. Really? That's what, ha that's what happened to me. Interesting. You know, like there's 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 state laws and federal laws, right? State laws say you can have weed, and the feds just they're like, whatever, we're just not paying attention. But the federal law says that marijuana is still illegal. So if the DEA wanted to raid every dispensary right now, they surely could. And there ain't nothing anybody could do about it in the state, yeah. right? So that's what happened to me, right? Small time, one guy, I'm caught up, double jeopardy, I'm in with the feds, and you don't beat a federal case unless you're like John Gotti, so I signed for what was about to be 20 years. And right Just from the firearms? 
after making after making like, after getting out of prison, making money, successful, like doing your thing. Proving it that, that I paid taxes and owned property and all yeah. this to the courts. Like you're at the high of your high. Like you're rolling. You're killing it. God, that's crazy. 20 years. But my lawyer, great dude. This is a guy named Craig Watkins. Now this is important. The story I'm going to tell you. This, these details I'm about to drop on you. Because 2019, everybody go, oh, you're racist. Right. He was a black dude. Okay. It was a Democrat. From South Dallas. Now, if you're from Dallas, you know that those three things are very significantly like dark, right? Like I'm saying, there's this like South Dallas, the black part of town. He is a very dark person, and he's a Democrat lawyer. That's not how the Dallas court system works. Yeah, right? yeah. Dallas court system was designed by white dudes that are Republicans for other white people, right? That's just how it was up until like maybe five years ago, yeah. right? Actually, until 11 years ago when this, what I'm about to tell you, happened. Craig says he's going to run for Dallas District Attorney of Dallas County, right? There's never been a black dude in history in any judicial spot in Dallas County, right? And it's 2008. Yeah. 2006. There's no history black dudes in that spot. And none Democrats. Never even voted a Democrat in, right? And so we go to with this new, we realized that not that many people vote for district attorney, right? Yeah. Like it's just not a popular spot. So we go to work in South Dallas, man, we put together a campaign to get everybody from the hood on buses to the polls, man. And there's a lot more poor people in the hood than there is rich people in their nice houses in yeah, North yeah. Dallas. And so we got old Craig elected, first attorney ever. Now, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, but that day I was a Democrat. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm yeah. team Craig, he's my attorney and we made it happen. And he got elected. We made history, and they still want to give me 20 years. I was like, shit, man. Damn. Wow. Some strings for me. They had somebody they wanted from Dallas, and he wouldn't turn them loose, and he pulled some strings for me. And him and Senator Royce West got me 15 months federal time inside another maximum security prison, but I signed for it. And uh, in, in the feds, maximum security is not that big deal. You're inside a bunch of fences and stuff, but it's white-collar folks. You know what I mean? I wasn't in there with killers that I felt like anyway. I'm sure they were in there. But yeah, yeah. I went and did 15 months, no AC again, right? One prison this time. I did seven in the state, one in the fed. So I go stay there for 15 months. Well, before I go in, I get married. I turn all my money and houses and everything over to my wife so she can hold the fort down. Man, she leaves me for the landscaper about 90 days into this thing and spends all my money. I come out of prison. I walked in a millionaire. I come out of prison 15, 13 and a half months later to the halfway house with $25 to my name. Wow. And two things are really cool though. The first day they let me out of the halfway house to go look for a job. I went downtown to a high rise and I pretended like I could afford it. And they let me up there and I looked around and I gave myself, I said, you know what? You screwed up. You're 30 years old. You're supposed to be a millionaire while while you're 30 and you hadn't lost it. Uh, This is your future. Look, right now, this building, this life, these cars that are in the parking lot, this is your future. You got to get to work. And so I went and applied for this job, Casey. And uh, a few days later, applied for this job, this credit. And I know I told you this story Saturday, but applied for this job at this place called Credit Solutions or Debt Solutions, something like that, right? Dude, it was perfect. It was going to lead me to that high rise. Right? Yeah. I was gonna be. I was gonna be able to buy my Ferrari with with that credit. I saw the energy in the office. Like sometimes you go places, you like do that to the culture. Yeah. You know? 
Like I saw the energy in the office. They had Red Bull and headsets and TVs in their cubicle. Dude, it was dope. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to take over this place. I'm a top producer at the car wash in the bank that I work for. Yep. Right? Like it ran circles around everybody else. So I knew I was just going to do the same thing there. I get the second interview because they do two interviews. They tell me I got the job on Thursday, Monday before I go in. They, they call me early in the morning. They say, don't come in. We ran your background check. You lied to us. I checked no <laughs> for felons, right? And, uh, and so I didn't get the job. That was heartbroken. Now, I want you guys, before I tell you the rest of the story, I want you guys to think of how many setbacks I've been in my 20s, right? Divorced, incarcerated twice, dream job out the window, Right, the dream job that I had was making me seven hundred grand out the window. The dream job that I want, because the whole time I was in prison, I'm watching them talk about the mortgage industry fall apart. It's 2007, 2008. Yeah. Dude, most people won, if not one quarter of those setbacks would have stopped them in their tracks. But I didn't have a choice, man. I'm not gonna be homeless. I have to go somewhere, so I go get a job back in the mortgage business. I convinced this company to give me a, a job, and of course, I become top producer. And, the next two years make about 300 grand but about four four or five months after i take this job when i'm working late and i walk past the break room and the tv's on at the mortgage place and i see that the feds were raiding the credit solutions place arresting the owners the salespeople, like arresting them had i got that job i would have for sure been the top salesperson yeah had i got that job i would have for sure had three strikes had i got that job i would for sure not be here right that's insane. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, everything that breaks your heart, that hurts right there in that moment, man, that makes you cry, that makes you feel like a loser, it makes you feel like it's just not supposed to happen, is working for you behind the scenes, man. And if I hadn't have just walked in front of that TV, I'd never know that. But I feel like God was like, hey, man, just take, I don't even watch TV. And God yeah, was yeah. like, hey, man, just, like, take a glance over at the TV. Let me, let, me, let me look out for my boy a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Feel like that's what's happening. Like at that moment, he said his hand on my shoulder, goes, "Look at the TV, son. I'm looking out for you." Yeah. I use that as a sign to be like, "Oh shit, man! I'm, it's like uh, Fifty Cent says, you know, like I'm here for a real reason. Yeah. Like I hit, like I got hit, but they ain't fucking breathing. Yeah, you know? yeah. I really felt that, you know. And because of that, dude, I'm just I kept pushing on. But guess what, man? In 2010, Obama he signed this law that said that uh, it's called the Dodd Frank Act. And it's if you're a felon, you can't work in the financial services anymore. Boom, like, damn, I'm back. I ain't even had that long back in the game. I only had enough time to make about 300 grand. And shit, I owed 150 of it because I've been behind on my damn bills for 15 months. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, now I don't have a job. And that's how I got into uh, internet marketing and coaching. And yeah, I was going to say that. Like, real quick, like, how, what was the transition from. You know, you're you're in prison. You get out. You make you make a lot of money. Then they find you with guns, and then they're you're back there. And then you get out. You get this job. And now, obviously, like we're talking about, you've had a podcast since 2011. You're you're super tied into all of these world class people, Andy Frisella, Brad Lee, and all these different people in terms of like the social media space, digital marketing. Like I, I want to know, and I think you were just about to get there. Like, what was the pivot from like what you were doing there to like how you got to where you are today? Well, so I don't know that there was a pivot, man. I think a lot of people pivot when sometimes you just have to keep charging forward. Okay. Uh, my buddy, uh, Ali's money, he always says, like, you know, be a rhinopreneur. Just yep. keep, like, breaking through the walls, you know. And and so for me, I just kept moving forward. Like, you ever seen, like, the, the football tryouts where, like, the dude's running down the field. One person hits him with a bag, and he has to, like, spin around. Yep, like, yep. And then the next person hits him with the bag, right? 
Like, I just felt like that's life for us entrepreneurs and us, like, people that aren't, like, conformists, like, normal, go get a job at the factory type. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I don't think there was a pivot point. I think there was just no point where I ever pivoted. There was no point where I ever stopped. And here's the great thing. Again, man, I'm telling you, I feel like God really had his hand on me because, you know, I didn't always feel that way. Now now I do. Sometimes at the time, I'm like, damn, God, why you curse me like this, man? Yeah. But now... Now I realize I, when I was in the mortgage business, I met a dude named Mike Reese, still a really good friend of mine. And uh, he was the top real estate agent in the area and I did all of his mortgages. Well, when I lost my job in the mortgage business, I went to hit Mike up to work for him. Well, Mike had no idea. I mean, Mike knew I made good money, so he had no idea I was going to come work for him and he didn't know I lost my job yet. But when I told him before I could ask him for a job, he said, dude, you need to look into internet marketing. No license, no boss, write your own paychecks, the wild, wild west. You walk in, clean out the cash register, walk out, nobody even cares. Yeah. I'm like, what? He goes, I have these $8,000 DVDs I'll give you. And I went, dude, you have eight grand? You're like the cheapest bastard I've ever met, right? He goes, dude, I paid eight grand for these. Yeah. If somebody talked to you and it's been in eight Gs, I want to know what's in that information. Yeah. You know what I learned in those DVDs? Let's hear it. <laughs> How to make a sales funnel. Uh. And from that point, once I got my first lead and my first sale, I just never stopped, dude. I had to go sell cars for a little while. I had to move in with, I got remarried, had a kid, had to move in with my in-laws. Dude, I had to make ultimate sacrifices. But flash forward, because we ain't got all year to talk on this podcast. Like I said in the beginning, you know, I drove to work in a Rolls Royce. All my kids are in private school. There's nothing you could do that I would ever go broke. I have a skill that's unstoppable. Once you can generate leads, Close sales and negotiate a deal no matter what. I can go get a job, go get my own money, write my own paycheck anytime, any place, anywhere. And all because I never stopped. But because I lost money and got incarcerated and had all these hardships, I had to learn to do all this shit myself. I didn't have anybody that I could pay to do it for me. I didn't know people that were doing stuff. So I literally had to learn every piece. And while again, that seemed like a curse at the time, yeah. nobody business like I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So, so, so break it down. I, I want to know this. So like getting into internet marketing and where it was like, obviously things have changed within that time frame in terms of where we are today. I, I want to bring people some, like some current, some value in terms of like in 2019, the businesses that you're operating, like if people are getting into this space today, like what would you say the things they should look out for? What should they, where should they spend their time if they're getting into this social media, internet marketing world? Well, there, there's so many different things that you can do, but what I would recommend is do one thing and until you become a millionaire from that one thing, don't do anything else. Got it. Until I was a millionaire from that one funnel, I never started implementing, or from that one product, I never started implementing other stuff. Got it. A lot of times we do what you say, we pivot, but really what we should do is keep charging forward. It'd be real easy for somebody to go, my website's not working. It's a lot easier than like, what's it going to take to make this website work? Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the mindset I had. It's like, shit, man, it's not delivering leads. What's it going to take to deliver lead, leads? Yep. Because advertising and having a funnel and internet marketing, it's a scientific test. You have variables and controls. Variables might be the audience. It might be the offer. But then you have to base it against controls or you don't know what works and what don't, man. And it, people think you just push a button and get something in front of somebody and they shell out money. And 2019... You can do all those things a lot faster. That's the beauty about doing it now versus back then. But uh, but it's it's not that easy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, all the people that tell you it is, they're lying. Ask them for a check to help you. Know, yeah, yeah. Being the real one. Yeah. Yeah, so, so one thing I want to talk about too is 
you talk a lot about like charging forward and just maintaining that drive. So when it comes to like building a team and building a community that you've built, what would you say is the most important thing you've done to maintain culture and build a tribe that is always on the same page in a sense? Man, I lead by example. You know, like uh, there's nobody talking behind my back going, yeah, Steuben acts all that way on camera and stuff, but behind scenes, he's <laughs> cheating on his wife, doing drugs still and shady deals. Like that ain't me, man. I've been in this business 11 years. I'm not even on the ripoff report. I'm not even on the salty droid, you know? And yeah. it's because I've delivered, you know, a hundred percent of the time I have delivered or made things right. That's just like, you, you know, not everybody's going to be happy. You just make things right. Man. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I think that's played like a, a huge role is just, you know, just making sure that I always deliver what I said I was going to for the audience. I mean, a, a lot of people miss that these days. They, I say it's real easy to sell, but it's super hard to deliver, man. But I like when I build this culture, I always joke and say, hey, you know, I was adopted. I've been to prison and divorce. I have like, uh, you know, abandonment issues. Like if you come and you work with me, if you become a client, man, like, we're in this for life. You can't leave me. I will find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have you pixeled. I will find you. you know? Yeah. And uh, it, but because of that, it's like when you become part of our sales talk with sales pros group on Facebook, it's like you're into this like one big family. You might have a cousin rough you up a little bit. That's how it is sometimes yeah, in the yeah. family. But you're a part of this big family culture. You know what I mean? Where people can say what they want. And, you know, as long as it's not like insane, crazy stuff, people can say what they want and, and have a good time and talk about their problems and stuff like that. So I think the, what I'm saying, the big key to building that culture is being the leader that leads by example. Got it. I, I'm that person that they say, hey, man, he's been through every setback that I've been through and some, and he lives that life. I want to be that guy. And that's how I built it. Yeah. yeah. I think something important to you, you've, um, you've brought up in terms of family. Like, how has having a family and kids changed how you look at life and look at business and manage your time in a sense? Well, my wife has made me a softie. They say the more <laughs> money you make, the more your true character is revealed. Uh, when I'm poor, you don't want to know me. You know, when I ran the streets and didn't have money, I was a very bad character. And I was a bad character then. I, I can only imagine how bad I would be with what I know now if, if it came to that, you know? And uh, but what I find out is the more money I have, the nicer guy I am, the more loving and giving. I give a lot of money to charity and help out a lot of people and good bonuses to my employees and stuff like that, man. Take care of our clients and all that stuff, man. And and, and that's, a, that's a huge deal for me, you know, yeah. is just being able to, uh, you know, being able to give back and all that other stuff, man. And, and, and I, I, money's allowed me to become this better person. It doesn't always do that to somebody, but I'm so happy for where I'm at right now. But having a family... The reason why I tell you that is like having a family, my wife's made me a big softy because I grew up a tarred person, ate prison, all this other shit, right? Like adopted, you know, selling drugs, running the streets, homeless, you know, all these things, right? That like create this tough, tough exterior that makes it hard mm-hmm. for me to love somebody. And it makes it hard for me to trust somebody. You know, when you have kids, you realize like, dude, they don't know all that. And they're like, they're down like four flat tires for whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, Birth. They're literally from birth. They're like me and you. We're lifers. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. And and you just kind of know that you're like, dude, this guy, my son Jack's made the ride with me for eight years now. You know yeah. what I mean? I got friends that have dropped off at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my 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 wife I'm married to now hadn't even been around that long. You know, and so uh, that's just like you know he's with me for life. No matter what I do, man, I can mess up. He's gonna be disappointed, but he's with me. Yeah. My job is to not disappoint him. I look at all the like my dad gave me up. I was adopted, so. I always said I could be the dad I never had. All the things that nobody understood about me, I may not understand about them, but 
I'm not going to go slap them on medicine. I'm not going to do all those things. I just want to be a good person and love yeah, them. Yeah. Because of that, it's made me love my customers. It's made me love my employees. It's made me a lot. I used to hire and fire people all the time. So it was just hard, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Hard. For sure. And, uh, and now, man, I like, I'll, I'll give you, you know, a second chance, train you, take my time with you. I have a lot more patience. And I, that's definitely come from being a parent. Got it. Now that makes sense. I, I have like two more questions too before we wrap it up. So like, the other day at the event, you spoke about what you talk about in your book. It was like the four levels of an entrepreneur, correct? Yeah. Just, I'd love you to walk you through that to the people listening because I think the people that asked that question and the way you answered that was very beneficial to the crowd on Saturday. So I'd love you to just give them like the four-step basis that you've written in your book um, when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, so uh, there's four levels when, when people say, man, I got to level up in business, right? We say this. But it doesn't ever happen for a lot of people because there's no clear vision to equate what that means. There's no clear vision to see when you've leveled up, right? You say level up, you think what well, means more money. What's the dollar amount? I don't know. It's more, right? Yeah. It's more business, more it's like So you have to have, if you're truly going to level up in life, if you're truly going to beat distractions of fourth value, you have to have clarity. That's why vision boards matter so much. And yeah. Things, right? But so... And now, once I'm, I'm about to give you the clarity in what leveling up in business means, there's only four levels, right? And you're on one of these levels. You're going to either make it to level three or four or drop off somewhere along the way. But when you say level up, it isn't more money. It's the steps that's needed to make this next level, and the more money is a byproduct of that. Level one is being a sales professional, right? When you're a salesperson, you're in commission only. You care about yourself. Uh, you go out and you sell someone else's product. You might be an employee, you might be a 1099 contractor, but either way, you're a salesperson for someone else's company. Level two is self-employed, right? A good salesperson will save up enough money to start their own business. Nobody should stay employed for another company and make that company money for forever, right? You should save up your commission decks. Go, don't buy Rolexes, wear a Fitbit, right? Yeah. Don't go buy, you know, seven jeans, buy express jeans, just little, yeah. little hacks like that make all the difference. And go out there, save up that money, start your own business, level up to level two, self-employed. Now, when you are a salesperson and self-employed, it's all about you, right? You get paid, it's your money, it's your company, it's your decision. Yep. You get to level three, that changes. Level three is CEO, okay? So when you're self-employed and you say you need to level up, that doesn't mean that you need to become self-employed in five different LLCs. That means that you need to become CEO in at least one. A CEO is a person that has employees, clients, systems, and a scalable business with assets, right? Just because you have one person in a single member LLC with the title CEO does not mean you are a real CEO, at least in this equation. Yeah. You have to have a functioning business, okay? When you have a CEO, though, things change because when you're self-employed and, uh, and you're a salesperson, you get paid first. When you're the CEO, you get paid last. Yep. Okay? I take one paycheck a year. It's at the end of the year. Right, all year long, I got to live on that paycheck. I get paid last according to how we did for the company. Now, some people pick salaries out, but I think a good CEO, when you get to a position, gets paid last. Yep. And you have to think of the company first. There's plenty of times where I could like go spend company money and go buy another car or something like that. That's not good for the company. I have to yeah. truly have the company's best interest, you know. Um, and so you start thinking different, right? You start thinking of other experts when you become a CEO. And the fourth level is when you become an investor, and that's when you hire CEOs to run the companies that you buy. Okay, so right now I am between three and four. I have some companies that I have invested in, and I have other jockeys and CEOs running, and then I have companies that I run myself. So I'm about a three and a half Got it. on the scale at 40 years old. 
And so when I know that I need to level up, my goal is to get these companies running, replace myself as CEO so that I'm just strictly their investor owner at that time. Got it. I've, and, and then what that case, you think, okay, well, good. So investor, you have somebody else doing the business. You're chilling on the beach, right? Maybe, but you're probably reading financial sheets. You're probably looking for other companies to spend your money with. You're probably looking at high-level things that you maybe can advise and coach the CEO on. That's my plan. Yeah, yeah. I do, right? So it Got never – there's no level four retirement, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's level four, you know, put your money to work for you. And, uh, but you still got to look at that money. You still got to be the shepherd of your finances. You yep. Know? Yep. For sure. So, so real quick, just to really, to wrap it up, I think it's just for the people listening, just hearing how we just ended on that note of the, the systems and the business models and the investors coming from someone that 19 years old has this insane story. I, I, I want you to, if you can, like looking back along your journey, like what would you want to tell someone that's 18, 19 years old that's just hearing this podcast and they're just starting their journey, like what would be one of the things that maybe you've learned just not only in prison but running, running companies to meeting people to just getting to where you are now, what would be something you'd like to hand off to that someone just getting started in the game? Yeah, so there's a few pieces of advice I always give people, man, uh, young folks. Like number one, stay out of debt. You'll hear Grant Cardone and other guys talk about it. They're older. They know what to do with it. You don't know what to do with it yet. I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just saying stay out of debt, right? Because yep. later on in life when you want to make moves, that debt will hold you in place. If you get a house early and that job offer comes up in somewhere else and you got to sell the house and you can't sell the house and you can't afford to make that move, that opportunity don't what it goes to somebody else. Right? So stay out of debt first and foremost, right? Stay low, 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 like low cost of living. Don't get married. Right? Like, dude, you love her. That's cool. Things will change in your 30s. Just don't get married. Right? Yeah. Uh, live together, whatever. But don't get married. And I know that, like, you're not supposed to say that from a religious sense, but it's 20, it's almost 2020, dude. It's okay to live with somebody. Most people are doing it anyway. It's okay. Yeah. Right? But don't get married, man. Because when you get married, you got to give half your stuff away. And dude, that can set you back so much when you're young. Uh, next, don't have any kids. Right? It's not going to be fun raising kids so you're in your 30s anyway because you can't afford it. Yeah. Right, in your twenties, it will cripple your ability to do anything. It'll make it to where your hours aren't as flexible. It'll make it to where your finances aren't as flexible. Don't do that till you're in your thirties and you can afford it. I didn't have my kid till I was thirty-one. Thank God. Yeah. So the only smart thing I've done in my life, and I think it was by accident. <laughs> Let's go. And so, if you don't have any debt, kids are bills, right? If you don't have any debt, any bills, you haven't lost your entire fortune to divorce. And that allows you to be nimble, right? You got to up and move because the opportunities in New York City and your girlfriend can't go. It's like, you know, I love you. It's cool. But I'm on the path for greatness and I can't just be here and settle. I'm sorry. You're either with me or you can't, you know? Yeah. And if she's meant to be, she'll find a job up in New York. If he's meant to be, he'll find a job in New York. Yep. My wife was making 200 plus thousand dollars a year in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm like, dude, I'm in Dallas. I, I can't move anywhere else. I got kids here, businesses here. Like, and your business ain't here. So if you come here, you got to find something else. She did, you know, and now thankfully I'm fortunate enough to where she runs my business instead of somebody else's. But, yeah. you know, she, the, the wife that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with was willing to make that jump. And I wouldn't rich then. I couldn't afford, we needed her income. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that, that was the case that, that it made me. So, man, those things would really help you out because when you're in those situations, you don't have a lot of bills, so you can go mentor, you can go work for a mentor as a kid that's here working for me for $12 an hour. Yep. He does the first thing I show up in the morning, he's got, you know, my breakfast for me. In the afternoon, he sits in my office and listens to me most of the time, which is writing notes, learning, right? I got him yep. fix for me. 
right? He don't have any college debt. He don't have nothing. By the time he's 25, he'll probably be a millionaire. Yeah. I love it. A debt-free millionaire. I love That's it. <laughs> I love it. So... Ryan, to really wrap it up, I know um, before we started, you said you've, you've had a podcast since 2011. You've been doing content, and you've been in this game for a while. And I want people, if this was their first time hearing of you today, I, I want them to not only follow you, but really get in tune with what you're doing. Listen to the Rewire podcast and just go in depth, because I know I'm, we're excited to announce a lot of the things that we have working on together, and we won't spoil it yet, but I want people to truly take the time to follow you. So, if people are wanting to know where they can follow you, where they can get in touch with you, where's the best place they should go to really stay in contact and just understand what you're doing? Yeah, it's all at hardcorecloser.com. Everything, you know, uh, podcasts, blog posts, videos. Yep. Everything I do is at hardcorecloser.com. And uh, the most active uh, social media channel that I'm on is Instagram. It's at hardcorecloser there. But yeah, definitely hardcorecloser.com. That's, you can find everything. Do that search bar on that site. Is your friend? There's over 2,500 blog posts, 1,900 videos, over a thousand podcasts. Like, dude, that site is content rich. Let's go. It's all free. Yeah, yeah, let's go. So, that being said, everyone listening, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Rise of the Young podcast. Ryan, aka Hardcore Closer, thank you so much for being on, man. I'm looking forward to build this empire with you, brother. Yeah, man, same here. And uh, I'll be on the the conference call with you in a couple days. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thanks so much.